Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, April 25th, 2019. It is one of those times when it is fun to be a sports fan. Tonight is the NFL Draft. We'll be talking all about the NFL Draft and what's, where some of the top selections will be going. And, Mike, we're only a, a week, just over a week out from the Kentucky Derby. We've got the NBA playoffs going on. We've got the NHL playoffs going on. Baseball in full swing. And we have a Hall of Famer on the line. Why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the GOAT, in my opinion, the winningest Breeders' Cup rider of all time. He's won Kentucky Derbies. He's done it all in the business. We're talking about the legendary Mike Smith. Mike, good evening for you. How are you, my man? Hey, Mike. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing real good. Now, you got into Louisville nice and safe tonight? Yeah, no, everything is good. Everything's great, man. Just, uh, can't wait for next week. You know, it's getting yeah. close and, and uh, just tightening up a little bit of some screws here and there, and, and, and we're ready to roll, man. So, so many my- questions and so many things to, to kind of get to, but let's just start with the obvious, shall we? Which is everybody kind of wants to know, you know, how do you make the decision between Omaha Beach and Roadster and, and why? Well, I mean, it was an extremely difficult decision, probably the hardest one I've ever had to make uh, in my 37 years of riding, you know, trying to pick between you know, two horses, uh, you know, the, the, the top three horses out in California are in Baffert's barn and, and, uh, you know, Omaha beat, 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 beat two of them, uh, and which would, they would probably be favored if he didn't beat them, which would be game winner. And of course, uh, improbable. So just with, with that and the way this horse is training right now, and the way his running style, he just, he just seems to be the now horse. And for, for this race, I, I think he's the horse to ride. I certainly hope I'm, I'm right. We'll see. So, Mike, you've been on a lot of great ones through the years. In particular, talk to us about Omaha Beach. What kind of horse is he, temperament, kind of style, and how does it compare, kind of contrast with some of the other good horses you've been on? Just give us a little bit about him and his personality. Well, yeah, you know, they're, they're like people, man. They're all they're all different, of course. Uh, but uh, he, he's, uh, he's an extremely talented horse. He's got a very, very high cruising speed. He's got a great demeanor. Uh, uh, you know, he's got a great disposition. He doesn't get uh, too too overly excited, just enough. Uh, but he's extremely quick, leaving there, and and he puts you into the race right away, which which certainly helps, especially when it's when it's a twenty horse field. So if all goes well, he should be you know forward and placed, and get you out of most of the trouble going into the first turn. Anyway, he should have a good spot, to, uh, hopefully, to run, and then and we'll go from there. And then it's just a matter of you know working out a trip and seeing seeing if he's good enough, but. He's a pretty cool horse, though. You you love being around him. So, Mike, speaking of which, is there a horse that Omaha Beach compares to in terms of horses from the past that you've ridden? Yeah, you know they're all they're all different, but I mean he's a bit he's a little bit like like Justify in, in the fact that that he's not as big as Justify, but he he has that high cruising speed. He's very good out of the gate and, and has a, a very high you know what what comes easy to him others seem to have to work work at it a little bit to keep up with him it just comes natural to him so i mean in in that sense you know they're, they're kind of they're kind of similar but again they're 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 all different 
Mike, you're going to be getting a lot of questions, all the questions about the Derby, but let, I'm going to shift the focus for just a second and ask you about another horse who I, I actually love right now, and she is really coming into her own this year. She's in great form right now. Tell us a little bit about Midnight Bisu because it seems like she's grown up quite a bit in the last uh, six months or so. Yeah, she certainly has. Uh, I'm excited about the rest of this year with her. Uh, I think her next race will probably be on Belmont Day there there in New York, which is a track that she absolutely loves. Uh, she, she's one of her best races was over that racetrack last year. But yeah, she's really coming around. She ran two just incredible races at at, you know, in, uh, at Oakland uh, in this last month and a half. And, and of course, coming off of uh, the Apple Blossom win just just the other day, she had to work at it a bit, but uh, she spotted them a lot of weight. But she still she still found a way to get the job done but uh, yeah so i'm excited about her as well you know finishing off the rest of this year let's talk schedule now um it's thursday evening when we're recording this so what um is the schedule like when you're going to work with uh, omaha beach and what's the next week looking like yeah it, it, right now it, it, they reschedule so he's probably going to work saturday morning uh and then after that it, it, it's just pretty much a little bit of maintenance as far as just galloping with him uh I'll be riding during that whole week. Uh, I've got several other horses to ride as well th- throughout the week. So, you know, just stay busy doing that and, and uh, you know, get ready, of course, for, 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 for Derby Day. Mike, from an agent's perspective, obviously on the football side, sometimes we have to do some dirty work. And I'm kind of wondering, when it comes time to making a really tough decision between two awesome horses, like the decision that you had to make, are you calling Bob yourself and kind of breaking breaking it to him like, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be riding well, you know, a roadster, or do you have your he, agent do that? Well, he, sometimes it, it can be both ways, uh, or, or both of you talk to him, you know, uh, at, well, probably at different times. But in this case, I, I talk to all, all parties, all, all four, you know, Bob and Mandela and both owners and. Uh, and everyone was was good about uh, about letting me just make my decision on who I thought the horse was for for this race. Uh, again, a roadster is extremely talented, man. I mean, he 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 could he could certainly be the one that that wears the roses. I mean, he's that good. Uh, but for this race and then for for um, you know coming up coming up up to it, he's I think Omaha Beach has more seasoning. Uh, again, he's already beat two of the horses that are are going to be either co-favorite or favorite as well. Uh, and he's training extremely well. And, and another thing is he, he, he doesn't mind an off track, as we all know, man. He, he'll, he'll run on anything. So if it rains, I mean, that's, that should be to our favor. Now, have you ever delivered such news and had a, an owner or a trainer get pissed at you? Oh, sure. I mean, that certainly happens, but, but man, Bob's classy, man. I mean, he's, he's one of my, not only is a great, a great horseman, he's just great to ride for and he's great to work with. I mean, and, and, you know, if he's got to take you off, he's straightforward, man. He'd be the first one to tell you face to face and give you time to, to get another mount if, if need be. I mean, but, but he's good. He's great both ways and everyone took it well. And there's certainly no ill feelings. We just, I, if I can't win, I hope they do. My God. Uh- Oh, go ahead, Gino. Um, yeah, I know we we know uh, you got a big week going up, so we won't keep you too much longer. It's uh, want to get let you get plenty of rest, but just always want to say every time I get the chance to talk to you, always appreciate, man, because not only are you one of the best in your field, but you are an awesome human being too. You are very charitable and always very giving to me when I was uh, when I was sick and not doing well. So always remember that and always rooting for you, buddy. Best of luck this week, man. Thank you, Gino. Yeah, we go way back, me and you, buddy.
let's see if we can get another one. This would be, it would be awesome. Everyone says, well, I mean, what, what's it going to be like if you're blessed enough to, I mean, it, it's like getting the opportunity to win a championship, man. You just want to get as many rings as you can. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Mike, I got one more for you before we let you go. And I appreciate we sure, had a, a few, a few uh, of our, our listeners uh, that are big fans of you, of course, send in some questions. Definitely appreciate that, you know, from uh, Urban Capper, Barry Spears and others. Uh, but I have one here and, that is, when you've accomplished everything in the industry that you've done, what kind of goals do you go into the following year with? Like when 2019 started and you're kind of mapping out, you know, your life as a, as a jockey and what your goals are. Obviously, staying healthy is number one. But, you know, I, I, I sense that you're very selective in terms of the amounts you take. So I don't think that you're looking to necessarily win riding titles maybe at any of the meets because I don't think you ride enough. Uh, but is that a goal, or what are the other goals that, that you do have well, into each year? I mean, that one's probably, I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't ride enough to, to get a riding title. I mean, if it just happened, I, I thought, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I'd certainly take it, but again, I, I just don't ride enough for that to have. It's just to get the opportunity to ride these kind of horses that I'm riding right now, man, I'm extremely blessed, and and my goals are, are basically, you, you, you can't feel that feeling, what it feels like to be blessed enough to win a classic or, or, or even a triple crown as, as we did last year, unless you, unless you do it again. And, and it's a feeling like, like no other. And you, you just want to do it all over again, basically. Man, that is really good stuff. Hey, are we going to see you golfing uh, with the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation come June? Well, I, I, I don't golf, but, but uh, if I can help in any way, I certainly will. You know that. I, 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 stay I definitely away appreciate it. Ever since the yeah, I hurt my my back in '98, and I stay away from golf now. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Mike. We really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Good luck. We're all rooting for you, and I uh, want to see you in the winner's circle for uh, all three of the big races coming up. Well, Thanks a lot, Mike. Have a thank nice you one. both so much, man. I appreciate it, guys. Anytime you need me, just give me a holler. You're the man. That is the legend, Mike Smith. So appreciative of him joining us one week before the Kentucky Derby. Man, uh, Gino, you know, you could tell with his kind of temperament, he's calm, cool, and collected. Oh, yeah, been uh, there. It's been there, done that, right? That's what they you say. You and I have talked like- about it so many times. There's no better money rider. No. If, if, if I own a horse and it's a big race, there's nobody that I'd pick over Mike Smith. No. It's it's amazing, too, when you look at, like, um, like career arcs and trajectory, too, because it was very good early and then, like anything, you know, you have some good years, but then you have some lean years. And never was really, like, struggling, but just some years that aren't good as good. And then you have to make a little bit of a change. And it seemed like once he was riding out here on the West Coast again, he got in with some of the – just some some barns that he maybe hadn't rid, ridden a lot of horses for in the past. And he won some big races for them. And then he just developed these relationships with a lot of good barns, Hollendorfer, Baffert in particular, that we've seen, now Mandela – and he's just a go. He's the go-to. You, you know, he he really is, and it shows up when you look at the earnings each and every year, and, and you just see how much money he wins, and how many races he rides compared to the other top jockeys. It's really incredible, and uh, we're very lucky to have Mike uh, give us a few minutes of his time. This he's busy, oh, yeah. man. You know, like right now, he just just got in. They were, I think, they were maybe going to work in the morning tomorrow, but there's some bad weather, so they're probably pushing it back. He said to Saturday. 
and uh, and then he's he's gonna be riding out there. So there's gonna be doing a lot of these interviews and stuff like that. So really cool that he took a a few minutes and uh, and was able to talk with us. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's he's uh you know got a lot of obligations as well as like the media stuff and NBC and and the you know they're always gonna try to come up with these like cupcake uh, you know human interest story type angles and you know that's. I guess a discussion for another day is what do you think of kind of the mainstream media coverage of uh, triple crown races? Well, you know what? Why don't I ask you that? What, what do you, th- how do you feel about like NBC's coverage when you watch, when you, if you don't go to the track and you're watching at home, what channel, what station do you watch when there are multiple stations that are going to be broadcasting uh, any of these events, whether it be like Breeders' Cup or, you know, w- during the time, especially when like TVG is able to get the rights to one of the big races, um, or the undercard or something like that. Are you keeping it on NBC? Are you uh, watching the track feed? W- what do you do typically? No, you know, and and it's it's hard because um, I watch and I'm negative about a lot of coverage because I, just because I myself just take it very seriously and I was always betting myself. So um, I want it to be taken very seriously and treated as the gambling game that it is. And what, what our main goal always should be is how are we helping people make money? Give them the information to help people make money. That's what this is. This is a gambling game, you know. But it's difficult when when there's anything that's sort of a niche sport, not quite as mainstream of a sport, and they have their big days because how do you treat it, right? Do you play to the the normal? Do you play to the racing audience, and do you maybe um, kind of go go over the head of just the average viewer who doesn't understand, or do you play it very general? for everyone and then maybe you turn off some of the more um you know more more hardcore fans that's always what's difficult and that's actually what's been what's really difficult when like when whenever racing is portrayed in like a tv show or a movie even it's always like okay who is this being targeted to right who is this being targeted at and so that's what what it it has even even like for example like the ncaa tournament right I don't like it when there's Barkley and Kenny and those guys talking about. I know that on on the first couple of days there's 16 games and there's so many different t- teams of people that you need covering the sport. But I want to hear from the people that cover it every day, right? Out on their biggest stage, on their biggest days and their biggest moments. I want to hear at the at, from the people that are the most expert. That that's what I want. Um, no matter what sport or that's whatever. An, that's I'm a kind of an interesting point because. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's face it. Those guys are they're NBA in studio guys. Yeah, they're and they're not, funny they're and they're college. great, and they probably even get a few more people to watch because they tweet out they're going to be on or that they're at people are you know it. But they don't. You're like, how many games of Texas Tech did they watch before the tournament? You know that that's that's what I'm. You know that I'm not sure. Yeah, you got to figure between covering the NBA. And sure, uh, they just traveling, they probably watch very yeah. few college basketball games. You know, maybe a few on DVR or something like some that. The, or maybe or, some or of their flying. alumni, their alumni team. You know, their team yeah, team yeah, team yeah. Auburn and, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, no, I think that's a valid point, and that's why I kind of started I, it off by right, calling so it a cupcake. Racing, yeah, yeah. So with like the racing, I would definitely always um, would stick out either to, if you're watching TVG or whatever coverage that you're watching from from people that are watching. The, the races and they're covering the races every day because remember in the derby obviously everybody wants to have the winner of the derby and 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 win a derby bet it feels like you win you know five just when you win the derby but remember it is an all-day thing there are going to be a ton of other races all throughout the day i want to hear from the people that i know put the time in 
you know, all, all throughout the day and and have, and have watched those races too, and are going to sure. help me find a horse on the undercard somewhere because uh, they found a horse who had a troubled trip or comes out of a key race or um, some pedigree note that I'm I'm going to get there that I wouldn't get on in the mainstream coverage. So yeah, I think yeah. Uh, to give credit where credit's due, I will say that I do enjoy listening and watching Eddie O on NBC. Oh, he's good. No, no, yeah, that, he's pretty and, solid. And everything uh, but is, outside is of that, you know. So like, and and everything is is never one hundred percent right, and never. There's always positives and negatives, and there's always you know people who have done very well and deserve to be on there and should be on the big stage covering racing. Um, but just overall, it's just a hard. It's it's not an easy thing to do. No. So I don't I don't I just kind of tune it out and, and understand that it's hard. It's not it, it's just you're going to get complaints no matter what you do. It's one of those things where you know it's a, I think it's a little bit easier to cover something like baseball or basketball or football because more people can just kind of flip it on and understand what's happening. Yeah, and, I mean, and understand let's the terminology, it. you know, things like that. Sure, but let's face it. If you ask the average person on the street, and and you ask them, you know, hey, do you like horse racing? And the you know the ones that maybe will say, yeah, you know, typically I'll just watch a Kentucky Derby, maybe some of the big races, that type sure. of thing. So sure. obviously they're going to be drawing an audience, and it's not the audience that's watching, uh, you know, Laurel on, uh, no, on Thursday no, morning, right. right? So from that perspective, I try to try to kind of like um, see what what is that sport for me? And for me, I was kind of like a late comer into the game of golf. Uh, both in terms of playing and in terms of watching on TV, you know, I didn't. I thought it was the most boring thing, so I didn't, wasn't even into it until maybe like mid to late twenties, as I started hanging out with more NFL guys who were really into golf. And so for a while there, when I'm watching the coverage, you know, I appreciated that on big days at least, it, they kind of did kind of bring bring it love the le- a level down from like you have to be a golf expert to know all the terminology sure. and that type of thing sure. and i kind of enjoyed that and as i've grown to understand the game of golf a little bit more and to be a little more familiar with the, the vocabulary and stuff like that i still see them doing it you know when they're covering the masters or one of the big events um and maybe the same thing with tennis too they may kind of dumb it down a little bit during wimbledon and that type of thing so i get what they're where they're coming from for me when i used to um flip the channel was when the only hd game in town was when you had it on like nbc or nbc sports yeah. right so that was kind of like a like a, a treat for me um and since tvg has gone to hd um and there's way more races now in hd that's not necessarily the the same problem so i i kind of go back and forth just for maybe a variety pers- of uh, perspectives that maybe a different camera angle and that yeah, type of thing. And you'll thing, see different things. They have yeah. a lot more money for the coverage, you know, and so they can use some more fancy equipment sometimes. But sometimes I even dislike that, you know, when they go to the different views. I just want a nice little regular view of my race. Yeah, yeah. You get the up and under. They're fine to look at or to have for after the race, you know, sure. up and over views and stuff like that. But during the race, I kind of want to see it run regular and not the pan and then up and around and you lose where your horse is. So. Yep. Yep. Um, we'll continue to talk as next week it'll be a, a lot of Derby and Oaks. But, Mike, let's take a quick break. I know we have another guest on hold, so a quick break, and then we'll return with our next guest. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're only about a half an hour or so away from the start of the NFL draft. And Mike, we have our first of a couple of guest that's going to talk NFL draft. Why don't you introduce him? Yeah, we got Nick Underhill from The Athletic Boston calling us live from Gillette Stadium, the home of the world champion New England Patriots. Nick, how are you, my friend? Hey, Nick. Hey, I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Let's get right to it, man. Uh, what what do you think is going to be the approach this year? Because I know that Belichick and company like to keep everybody off balance. Uh, when it comes to the draft, do you anticipate any trades, first of all, um, over the next couple of days? Have you heard any whispers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's always a chance that this team's going to make a trade. It's, you know, often a trade back. But, I mean, there have been times where they went up. They went up twice in the same draft one year to get Chandler Jones and uh, – Dante Hightower. So, you know, I, I definitely think that's a possibility. They have, you know, 12 picks. So there's the ammunition's there if somebody starts to fall. And, you know, I think it's kind of a, you know, an interesting year for them because, yeah, they are the defending world champs, but it's a team with a lot of holes and you could really justify a pick just about anywhere. I mean, I, I think the biggest needs, if you, if you look at it, are probably wide receiver, tight end, and defensive end. But, you know, they, they could make a pick at cornerback, even though they got pretty good depth there. You know, I, I think some of the, the guys there going down the depth chart are a little bit unproven. Safety, you know, they're, they're loaded there, but McCourty and uh, Patrick Chung are both 32. So, like, they could make a pick there. And, 
you know, even quarterback, it, they're, they're at a point now where I think every year they got to be looking at quarterback. So, you know, I, I just really think that they're kind of a, a wild card and could do just about anything, you know, with, with any of those picks. Yeah, and I was even going to say, um, even like uh, looking at the O-line with, with their tackles, I mean, probably the, their, their best tackles are, you know, Cannon and Wynn. But, uh, you know, with the Achilles injury for, uh, for, for Wynn and, and Cannon doesn't seem to be able to play in all 16 games, you know, almost ever, uh, you know, you, you would think that maybe they would be looking at a surprise pick on the O-line perhaps. Yeah, I mean, and that is kind of a sneaky need too because Wynn isn't really like a proven player either. So, you know, depending on how they view him overall and then where his health's at, you know, I, I think it would probably be smart even just to get ahead of that. You know, Marcus Cannon's been around for, for quite a while and, you know, if you have one too many tackles, that's that's definitely not a bad problem to have. So you can look down the road and, you know, if somebody's a swing tackle for a year and then, you know, injuries always happen there. The, the Saints had that situation, you know, a few years ago. They had Sean Armstead and uh, Zach Streif, and it looked like they were set there, and they took Ryan Ramchek at the end of the first round. And, you know, they have the injury, and then all of a sudden Ramchek's a, a Pro Bowl player. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely a justifiable pick for them. I, I you know, it's just, it's weird that they really aren't set like anywhere, any position, maybe linebacker, but outside of that, you know, they could do just about anything. Okay, Nick, let's be honest. Now you made the move from uh, covering the saints. Now you're covering uh, the Pats where the last couple of years, the defeats, they were just too much for you, huh? They, they were just a little too much for you. You had to make the move over to the Pats. Cause you, I was going to say, it's not, if you're going to have to leave a very good franchise to cover, that's been in great shape the last few years, not a bad move to make over uh, to cover the Pats. <laughs> okay. So I, I started out covering the Patriots. Uh, my, my first four years covering the NFL were here. So I was here and then I went down. So I came back. Okay. So okay, the, Saints, the Saints fans, they, they like to tweet at me and call me a traitor, but like, you know, I, I left here to go there. So I, you know, it's just, it's kind of coming back. I'm from the Northeast, so it's, it's closer to home, but I, I mean. I saw some funny gifts and memes uh, on Twitter when you were leaving. Yeah, they were, they were responding, uh, the Saints, I think, right back to you. And they, they seemed like they were sad to have you go. So we're very happy to have you uh, covering the Pats now. But as you, as you mentioned, this is not a team year in and year out that will stand pat. You know, they're, they're always going to make changes no matter what. They, they are not emotional. They're willing to move up, move back make trades, cut whoever, like this is a team that is always trying to get better. Yeah. And you know, like everybody wants to know like what the secret is, like what do they do that that makes them so good? And it's like, they do the same stuff every single year. That's just acquiring a ton of picks. You know, it's making trades for Michael Bennett instead of signing, you know, a a defensive end. So they get that, that pick back for Trey flowers and, you know, and then, then they trade their picks for, you know, veterans. and, And it's just, you know, every year it's, it's kind of the same thing, you know, I, and I could see them coming into this too, like making a trade for, you know, maybe a veteran wide receiver. That's one of the areas where they really struggled, you know, going back to 2000. The only guys they've really hit on drafting were, you know, Dion Branch, uh, Julian Edelman, and, and there's one more, but I'm blanking, but it's been like three guys out of, you know, 12 picks or whatever wide receiver. And it's just, you know, it's a very complex offense. So I think if a team had like a, you know, an extra extra depth at wide receiver. I could see them making a, a trade there. Maybe Sanu from Atlanta, somebody like that could make sense. They got, you know, a good amount of guys, but I mean, those are the kind of moves they make. And it's just, you can really never be too surprised by anything. It's like, everybody's probably waiting for them to trade down at, at 32, which, you know, would make sense. A lot of teams like that fifth year option. And, you know, that, that's a move the Patriots have, have made before. You know, I don't, I don't know if they, they value it as much as other teams and you get a little bit extra for it. So, 
you know, they could go up, down, whatever. You know, I, I wish I had better insight, but I, I don't think anybody in the world knows what they're going to do except for Bill and Nick Casario. And, you know, <laughs> everybody else is just kind of waiting. Yeah, and in terms of if, if there was a, ever a year that you would want to be able to replace uh, Gronk, it would be this year in terms of the draft because there's so many, you know, top-notch level tight ends. So that might be a, 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 a place that they're going to, you know, dip into the draft on. But, you know, a couple of years ago when they traded Jimmy G, I was kind of thinking, are they out of their minds? Because Tom has to be ready to retire soon. Um, and now, you know, a couple of years later, I'm kind of kind of in that same mindset. Like, how much further can, can Tom go? Uh, don't they have to develop a quarterback starting now? Yeah, I, I would think so. You know, if it's if it's not this year, I think next year it becomes you know a little bit more more urgent. And I know next year that you know they say it's going to be a little bit deeper. But I mean, if there's somebody there, I, I think they. I wouldn't be you know if I were running the team, I, I would probably look into trying to get someone this year. And hey, you got a year with them, and if he's not the guy, do it again next year. I mean, it, at this point, like you just got to start trying to find the guy. And I agree with you. When they traded Garoppolo, I thought it was you know the most on Belichick like move ever, you know, but it kind of seems like it, it worked out, you know, that he won in Super Bowls. But, you know, it looked like he was going to be the guy. And, and you know, typically they, they're on sentimental and they're cutting guys early and they don't care and they'll let them go on and have success somewhere else for a couple of years and, you know, have the next guy come up and take over. So that, that was a huge surprise. But, you know, at this point, yeah, I think whoever they draft, there's probably pretty good odds that, that Brady's done, you know, before this guy's contract is up. So I, I would start now. And if it's, not the guy this year. Do it again next year. And, pl- and plus, for me, like I wouldn't want to wait until Brady retires or announces that this is his last year, anyways, because I would want that young kid to be able to learn from the Jedi Master himself and to be an understudy for a year or two. Absolutely. And then you know, it's just there's too many cautionary tales too of you know teams beating a quarterback and then getting stuck in that weird purgatory where they can't get somebody better than you know like the twentieth guy in the league and. Yeah. You got the twentieth best quarterback in the league. You don't really have a quarterback, so you know you you, you just gotta you gotta be ahead of it. And you know most teams fail trying to get out of it, but I think you got to try. And they got the right setup here, you know, the right coaching. And like you said, you know, Brady, you know, just watching him, even if he, even if he doesn't accept the guy, just being able to watch Brady and how he goes through his routine and you know how detail oriented it is and and all those things. There's a ton of value to all that. So I would definitely like like you said, try to get the guy in here just just to be able to breathe the same air as Tom Brady and maybe try to, you know, soak some of that up. Uh, we're going to see quarterback Kyler Murray get drafted very early on in this draft, probably right off the top uh, in the next, you know, 30 minutes or so. Well, give us your opinion on him overall. Do you think he's going to be a, a good quarterback, average, a bust, uh, franchise type guy? Any opinion on him at all? You know, I, I roll my eyes when I hear people, like, talk about people's character and, you know, the way they carry themselves and all that, but, like, there was just something about the way he went through the whole pre-draft process that like just kind of was weird. I don't know. There was something about like his demeanor that just didn't scream quarterback. And like, that's such like a stupid scouty thing to say. Like, you know, people bash players for like reading or whatever. And I, I always think it's so stupid, but like, I don't know. I saw him like on the Dan Patrick show and like Dan Patrick's trying to ask him questions. And like, I don't know. He's just like, kind of like smirking and like looking to his dad for answers. And uh, there was just something about it that, that, you know, it was just weird. Having said that, he'll probably go out there and, and be awesome, but I don't know. There, there was just something off about, like, his whole demeanor. And that's not even talking about his game. I, I think his game's pretty good, but, you know, I, I do think that X factor, whatever it is, does matter with quarterbacks. 
Yeah, I watched that interview as well, and I thought he botched that awkward. in a big, so big way. And comfortable. It was yeah. super awkward, man. Yeah, I was at that point. My my opinion of him changed quite, quite dramatically. So before we let you go, Nick, got to ask you, what's going on with the uh, with the Red Sox? Are uh, you know they've they've won now uh, four out of the last six, but in the middle there, you got swept in a doubleheader when uh, when you built a lot of great momentum, beating the first place Rays on the road. What's going on uh, in Beantown? Mike, if I could name like five players on that team, like you, if you if you made me try to name a six, you would win the bet. Like I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not a baseball <laughs> guy. And, and this is did you used to cover the Red Sox? I did, but like just because I had to, I had to. Like I, I was forced. <laughs> nice. That's how I had to get my start. So as soon Love as I could move honesty. over to football, I made the move. Love Good it. stuff, Nick. Well, definitely appreciate you calling us uh, directly from Gillette. We'll let you go. Thanks, get Nick. back at it, man. And we'll be looking out for your tweets. Nick is a great Twitter follow, especially for any Patriots or football fan. Thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Man, Nick's, uh, Nick brings it, man. He's always got great analysis. So you definitely appreciate just, him uh, coming on. And Just came to me. He sounds like Mike Joyce. Doesn't he? It sounds like yeah, they, they got like a same like a same he, voice. Very he very similar. Does. Yeah. I was like, ah, it kinda reminded me they got a very similar like voice in the uh, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a good call there. Now let's go from one expert uh who specializes in the in one team to the guru himself. This guy should be replacing Mel Kuyper Jr. on ESPN he will one any day. year now. And we're talking about Great friend of the show, great friend of mine personally, Rick Ciratella. Hey, Rick. What is going on, my man? What's up, fellas? How we doing today, baby? Man, did, have you slept this week? Uh, are you just, uh, you know, it's going crazy from enthusiasm and, and excitement and rumors and, and getting your fill of, of, of trade talk and all that good stuff? You know, the the last couple hours, I got to admit, I just been uh, shielding myself from all the smoke screens because I don't I don't want to get burnt. I don't want anybody to suffer from a forest fire over here. It's just <laughs> uh, smoke screen city. But now it's been uh, it's been a great great wind down to the three hundred and sixty five day price process. So no, we're we're excited over here. Who goes first, man? Oh, it's Rosen. I mean, it's uh, Murray, hands down. You know, Murray's taken, and and Rosen's on the move. Does does the Rosen move happen today? You know, I think so. I think they got to get it out of their system and over with. I think that whole era has to end. And, you know, I think last time I checked, I mean, Vegas had Murray as a minus 1,200 prop bet to be the number one overall pick. So, you know, got to wager twelve hundred macarons just to win back a hundred. Wow. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that Murray's going to be the first guy. And it looks like we're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of defense early on. The top ten to twelve picks. How many? Okay, I guess the better question is if Murray's going to go one. When are we going to see that next quarterback go? So when when is it likely to uh, that Haskins gets picked? Well. You know, the first part of your question, I think the over-under prop bet is 17-and-a-half defense. So I think, you know, it's pretty safe to assume. I like that bet a lot. I think 18 defensive guys, heck, 
I got 12 defensive linemen going in the first round alone. So if the prop bet is 17 and a half, give me the over. So yeah, I just absolutely. need those 12 defensive, li- defensive linemen and six other defensive guys. Hey, for sure, I'm on board with that. Um, but you're hearing, you know, you're hearing that, you know, there's a, there's a teams in the quarterback arms race, and it's the Redskins trying to move up. Are they trying to move up to number three? To beat the Raiders for Haskins, are they trying to move up uh, to number four to beat the Giants for for uh, Daniel Jones? I mean, there's so many smoke screens. So I think there's going to be two quarterbacks off the board in the top five. I still think all four of these guys, you know, whether Rosen gets traded or not, I think four QBs off the board by the top 15 picks, which means hey. A lot of these defensive linemen are going to slide down. There could be some trade-ups for the defensive linemen. Montez Sweat is an interesting guy. Of course, he decided not to attend the draft after committing to attending the draft, so there could be a slip and slide in his future. Uh, you know, it, it's really an intriguing draft because outside of those 20 guys that have first-round grades, picks 20 through 80 can come off the board either way. We, we did a podcast earlier in the day. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was our guy, Joe Everett, our director of college scouting. He goes, hey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to be the first safety off the board. I go, hey, I just did a two-round mock. I don't even have him in there. And I think that's the beautiful thing is that, you know, when you, when you survey our staff and you look at their top 100, everybody likes different guys, and I imagine that's what it is around the league. So it's going to be so much mystery and intrigue, a lot of wheeling and dealing, I think, a lot tonight, but even more so on day two and day three because this draft is so depth, so much depth and talent, so many starters into round three, even day uh, day three, round four. I think you're going to see a lot of starters emerge from this draft. Yeah, and that brings uh, me to a, a very interesting point of a debate that Bruce Arians hit on today. It kind of resurfaced something that's the age-old question, kind of like the chicken and the egg, which is, do you draft based on need or best available? And he made the comment that if you draft based on need, you're shooting yourself in the foot, and that's football head coach, general manager, suicide. You got to go based on best available. If that's the case, then you're going to be stocking up on D linemen and tight ends in this draft. But I quickly want to jump back to the, the latest rumor, which you may not have heard if you've kind of been shutting everything out, which is the Raiders and the Jets flip-flopping spots three and four now if there's any validity to that rumor that would mean that Gruden and company are solidified that they're sticking with Carr right because you wouldn't flip-flop with the Jets because the Jets aren't taking a quarterback yeah I I have not heard that I don't see the logic I don't understand why you would give up draft equity if you're the Jets to move who who are they moving up to take do we know? Uh, you know, I just saw a couple of tweets about it. I'm sure we could pull up pretty easily, but there wasn't a lot of detail or meat there. It just said, based on sources, credible sources are saying that the Jets and the Raiders are talking about flip-flopping swap spots. Now, that may be, it may be one of those things. Well, wait. Where, well, so so the Raiders are at four, the Jets are at three, so the Raiders would be flipping up to, to move up to take Haskins, so, I would imagine, then. Well, but why would they need to flip-flop with the Jets? Because the Jets aren't taking him. Right? So if they're not going to take him, why do I need to even make a trade to get up there? 
Yeah, I, that's I, the thing gotta, that's puzzling gotta, to me. It's it's very very odd. But <laughs> like you said yeah. earlier, that's what makes the draft such a compelling event. Yeah, now that's a, that's a hard one for me to figure out. I can't yeah. wrap my head. What do you hold that off for a quick second, that's though, Rick? Exactly and and, uh, and uh, let's take a commercial, <laughs> quick commercial break, yep. and come back, and maybe we can. Uh, I could pull that up during the commercial here. Stay with us. We'll be right back talking more NFL draft with Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here with Rick Saratella. And we're talking NFL Draft. It's just about 15 minutes away. Rick, hey, Gino, couple- before, before I have Jets and Raider fans uh, crushing me over what I just said because it's it's kind of a chaotic trade possibility. I'll give you guys the citation out there. Uh, the the writer is from the Athletic New York City or New York, uh, the Athletic NYC. It's Connor Hughes at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. And the tweet says the Jets and Raiders talking about a trade involving a swap of the number three and number four pick per Sources. Wow. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition in just a bit because that's right at the top of the draft. So Rick, one of the questions that was out there from some of the folks on Twitter. This one was from Mark Rossini. You you're looking at these players so much longer and kind of deeper and farther than most of the people who are just covering this over the last few weeks, last month. Who for you in the top 
like in the first round or so has made the most movement kind of raising their stock or dropping their stock as of late? Well, as of lately, I think Montez Sweat is the one guy dropping. Uh, you know, again, we talked about it in the opening segment there. You know, he's not attending the draft, and I have him sliding down to 19 to Tennessee, which I think is significant because I thought after the senior bowl and combine, a lot of people thought this was a top 10 pick. Now you're hearing the heart, you know, was misdiagnosed. Um, but still, I think he could do the slip and slide, but I, I don't see him sliding further than 19 to the Titans. And then Rashawn Gary is the other guy sliding with the torn labrum. Um, I think a, a lot of people thought he was going to go a lot higher. I have him coming off the board in my mock at 27 to the Oakland Raiders uh, with all those draft picks and obviously not winning the Super Bowl next year. Hey, Gary, do, do, you know, there's talk – Depending on who he gets drafted by, he, he would either play through that torn labrum if it's a contending team or if it's a team like the Raiders where they can kind of redshirt him his rookie year, well, then he could just, you know, uh, wait till next year. But uh, on the opposite end, Darnell Savage, I think I, he's my first safety off the board. 25th, I have him going to the Eagles. I just think that... You know, they had Avante Maddox out of Pittsburgh last year playing a, a, the safety, the nickel, the corner. Uh, Darnell Savage could step in and play that role better, create some depth. So I think, you know, he's a guy now in that first-round mix. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is a guy, defensive tackle, I think, moving up the boards. Um, you know, there's that man again, Daniel Jones. You hear the Giants might like. I, for, for the record, I don't think the Giants are taking a quarterback but the Redskins you're hearing might like him. Uh, Christian Wilkins is the guy. I don't think he gets past the Falcons at 14, but you're hearing top 10 buzz about him. And then my guy, TJ Hawkinson, I mean, hey, you know, I have him going off the board to the Lions at 8. He can go to the Bills at 9, the Broncos at 10. But I've seen him as high as 7 to the, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is going to do quite well for himself. Well, if Rashawn Gary and Montez Sweat are kind of uh, slipping a little bit, wouldn't that mean that uh, Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson, the stud junior underclassman extraordinaire, is going to be climbing up into the top 15 spots then? It's very well possible. I have them right now. You know, when I did my mock 34th to the Colts, um, there's just so many defensive linemen. It's what's your flavor of the week. So I, I could definitely see uh, Farrell climbing up. When you get a hand-in-the-dirt 43 type of defensive end, there's just not, you know, there's a lot of edge rushers, but there's very few guys that can be that traditional 4-3, you know, hand-in-the-dirt type of pass rusher. Um, I think Brian Burns could do it, even though he's been labeled undersized and hard to maintain weight. I think that's the other, the other guy that could do it. Um, outside of Sweat and, and Bosa, who's obviously going to go early. You know, I kind of want to stick with the theme that Gino's talking about, which is uh, some of the listener questions slash debates. And one of them was was about the Wonderlick and the relevance of the Wonderlick and uh, how that could play out for the uh, most likely first overall pick, uh, Kyler Murray. Um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, from a quarterback, you obviously want somebody with a high football IQ. Um 
you know, and for those who've never taken the Wonderlick examination, it's got a lot of random questions in it. You know, things like, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere, if it's summer, uh, you know, what's the season in the Northern Hemisphere or like sequential number type uh, games, you know, things of that nature. Um, any relevance to performance on the field from a quarterback, getting grasping that playbook, mastering the playbook, well, et cetera? Yeah, they do this test for a reason, right? And it's been around for a while. But I think the NFL has evolved so much that, you know, you got a question. Some, you know, I, I, I saw some of the tweets back and forth. And like you said, Mike, some of the questions are so, so ridiculous. I mean, you have to question, what are we really asking? Just like we have to question, why is Jay Gruden's uh, cadence 27 words for one play. So I think it's a case by case basis, right? So like <laughs> yeah. if you're, if you, yeah, if you're the Washington Redskins and you're Jay Gruden and you've got this big complex offense and it takes, you know, 30 words to spit out one play. Well, Hey, you might want to say, Hey, I, I want a real cerebral guy that can break it down and, you know, do all these, you know, what if equations, but I, I feel like the NFL has evolved so far away um, from what the Wonderlick actually impacts, I, I think it's kind of outdated because a lot of the offenses around the league, just like college, have been dumbed down a lot. Um, we're not we're not as complex as we used to be, and 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 I hate to say it, we're just not using our heads and thinking as much pre-snap reads. It's it's more of a RPO, quick. yeah, quick, you know, one quick. read, pick your poison type of option uh, that we're seeing around the league. Now, what do you now? The Wonderlick, I I agree in that sometimes it's just not relevant. A lot of what it's asking now. When we saw him in the interview with Dan Patrick and maybe some of the other interviews and things like that, and when we just spoke with Nick Underhill earlier, we, we talked. He didn't necessarily come off like the greatest leader and the most confident, and he was kind of weird body language. What what are your overall thoughts on him? Like how how good do you think this guy is going to be? You think he's going to be a franchise type guy, or or where would you slot him in? I think he's one play away from retiring, taking the guaranteed money, and and turning to baseball. You know, I got and and listen, Wonderlick and personality, I think, are two different things. Now, I can I spent sounds time like we got a little bit Tyler of interference Mer- going on here. Aliens, with, uh, that was aliens. Yeah, had to be. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the, maybe the, the football gods didn't want him to, to say what he was going to say about, it, about <laughs> Kyler Murray. Kyler, yeah. <laughs> Kyler Murray airwaves intercepting my. Uh, uh, but I think where you were you going with that me? is, uh, yeah, we got you back. I think where where, where you were going with that is uh, just his frame, right? You know, he's one play away from being knocked out. Yeah, and not only that, you know, it is the personality though, because you know when you accept the invitation to the NFL draft, part of that invitation. The requirements are attending the pre-draft ceremonies and going to the various charity events and visiting the hospitals. And here's Kyler Murray, who just completely blew that off all week, uh, skipped out on the charity events, wow. uh, came in last night via helicopter, you know, all Hollywood style. But, you know, the thing that rubs me the wrong way is that the Heisman, you know, asking Kyler if he's going to play baseball or football, it's like he just stared at me like I was – like I was an alien, like I had twenty five heads. Like, why? Why are you asking me this? 
why are you asking That's me unreal. that? You know, it's just like, you know, dude, are you serious? And I just feel like, hey, this guy can have a separated shoulder, can suffer a broken leg and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm getting, you know, guaranteed X amount. I'm going to take the time to recover, take a year or two, and I'll go back to baseball. And I think that's that's the thing is like, he, either he's going to, it's either going to be a marriage made in heaven with Arizona, or it's going to be a recipe for disaster. There's no in between. <laughs> and Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury's their jobs are on the line, all in with this one. Wow, that's well, go, have, uh, go have a beer and enjoy the uh, the draft, yeah. man. You're about five minutes away. <laughs> Unbelievable, fellas! Unbelievable. Hey, listen, I appreciate all your guys' support. The Mike Ibadir show having me on throughout the season. I'm looking forward to uh, that's what G said and all that Thanks fun a lot, stuff. Man. So and. And, and and I will be hitting you up in a week or two for a Kentucky Derby pick, so I appreciate oh, sure. that. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Thanks, Rick. Awesome, Rick. Really appreciate right, it, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy the next few days here, and uh, I'll uh, I'll shoot you texts. Uh, you know, regarding my guys, if there's anything interesting, you'll be the first to know about it. Absolutely, sounds good. Thanks so much. Awesome, Rick. Tell there and Mike. We only have a few minutes left. Let's get some quick thoughts on game of thrones this weekend there was a lot happening uh this this past weekend and the upcoming episode episode three of season eight is going to be over 80 minutes i believe we have two episodes coming up that are going to be over 80 minutes this one should be the longest episode in game of thrones history wait so well, you you thought that there was a lot that see i didn't think they moved the needle that much i thought it was, well, no, little, it was kumbaya kind of i love i love the episode though because it was how is everyone spending their last night and we got to see everyone's personality, and I, and it was a it was an episode where we I think we got a lot of goodbyes. I think we had, we see a lot. We may have seen a lot of people for their final real interactions, right? Right, Grey Worm. They're setting up a paradise in the future. It see it felt like Jorah was saying goodbye. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Gendry wouldn't shock me with the interaction with Arya. That felt like a goodbye there. How about Brienne getting knighted? That felt like it could be a goodbye. Sure did. Ormond even he just had a lot of funny moments and fun. Like that felt like it could be a goodbye. There's a lot of, of yeah of people who I don't know if we're gonna see them again after episode three. And Arya's uh, uh, oh, awkward, yeah. awkward goodbye. That was we a little bit awkward it. for me to she watch. Didn't, didn't want to She's, watch it. I kind of turned my head away. Oh yeah, <laughs> she she went for it. You know. Yeah. You know. We, we got a we got a we got less than a minute to go. So I'm just gonna say one thing, which is I kind of have a weird feeling that all of this is a smokescreen. That uh, I don't know. Jon Snow is gonna like take like a you know, uh, a bow and arrow or a spear or something and get the night King and everybody, all the, all the white walkers are going to die right away. That the big war is going to be with the Lannisters. Okay. And that's going to be the battle of Winterfell. Yeah. So like everybody's all worried about this. Everybody's talking about this and it's going to be like, boom, over, done with. Can't believe that happened. We're good to go. We're celebrating, but the Lannister forces, all the gold behind it, so on and so forth. That's going to be the big finale. Okay, well, we'll talk more about that. We know that Danny now knows that John is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. We didn't see any Cersei in this episode, but we saw Arya grow up quite a bit. She quite a long way. She's come in the you know the ten plus years or so yep. that this show's been being filmed. So um, I, I thought I thought 
some goodbyes, and we'll see you next week if we're talking about a lot of major deaths because I think it's a big, big episode coming up. Mike, we had fun. We covered a lot of ground. We'll talk a little more Thrones next week, some NFL, but we're going to have a lot of horse racing. No doubt about that, man. A big thank you to Mike Smith and company and Nick and Rick for all the draft talk, and we'll see you, like Gino said, talking Kentucky Derby next week. Enjoy your sports weekend and the NFL draft, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.